0: without waving the the blue and orange pom-poms. I'm not trying to overreact to the first two games. The Matthew Barzell top line with Anders Lee and Kyle Palmieri has really been the only trio uh, that can remotely be called effective so far. We need this to become Brocktober again. Billy, I don't miss out on the food anywhere. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 115. Hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday, and please find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And on this episode, we'll delve into the Islanders' first two games, both losses, by an aggregate and uncharacteristic, at least under Barry Trott's, Combined score of 11 to 4. And we'll also talk with Billy Jaffe of the NHL Network. He was once Howie Rose's partner on Islanders broadcast and also somebody who covered Dano Chara up close in Boston for several seasons. And uh, finally, we'll answer some of your questions with Andrew's answers. But first, let me get this out of the way. No, I did not go to the Dr. Seuss experience here in Chicago. As I tweeted out, I might go. The other day, uh, I'll I'll be honest, um, a single 54-year-old male Uh, Alone in the Dr. Seuss experience, I I, I was not necessarily comfortable with that. So instead, I I opted instead for a long walk to the Navy Pier and then around downtown. And then I headed over to the uh, Grand Park section. And every time I get to Chicago, uh, I, I love checking out Buddy Guy's joint. It's called Buddy Guy's Legends. Uh, and I've seen a lot of good blues acts there and, and including, uh, I I don't know if you've heard of this artist, but Samantha Fish really before she became more well known. And and if you haven't checked out Samantha Fish, I I implore you to do so, uh, see her live. She's absolutely one of my favorite artists. She always puts on a good show, uh, a wide variety of musical styles and, uh, But this time, uh, one of Chicago's hardest working bluesmen, uh, Tom Holland, and his band was performing. And the man himself, Buddy Guy, jumped up on stage toward the end of the first set singing a uh, long blues medley. And look, I've been a sports writer since 1989. And while I respect the heck out of any athlete uh, in any sport, in any sport, uh, the work and the effort that athletes put in, I I truly respect that because it's not something uh, that I could ever do. I, I, I don't geek out over athletes. Uh, But I'll admit, I do lose my mind sometimes seeing uh, musical legends, and and that's what Buddy Guy is. And and it was absolutely a a, a thrill uh, to be sitting uh, literally within 20 feet and watching Buddy Guy sing. So uh, that sort of made the whole trip right there. But as for the Islanders, what what to make of their first two games? It's certainly... Not what we've come to expect. They've they've looked slow for long stretches. They looked out of position defensively. They did not get the big saves in net from Ilya Sorokin when the team really needed a big save. And then again, Ilya Sorokin was not supported well enough defensively. I, I mean, to be blunt, he was left hung out to dry well, w- way too often. Uh The Islanders should be getting some goalie help soon as Semyon Varlamov looks poised to make his return after after missing the preseason uh, with unspecified soreness. Uh, Varlamov was a full participant in Monday's practice in Chicago, and and once a player returns to full practice like that, and that was not something uh, that Varley did at all in the preseason, and, and the The other times he had been on the ice with his teammates, he was either on the ice beforehand taking some shots or skating on his own or uh, coming out late in practice and uh, taking shots from players and then staying out and working after the main group had left. But on Monday in Chicago, uh, he came right out with Corey Schneider and Ilya Sorokin and uh, Varlamov and Schneider alternated uh, reps in one net while Ilya Sorokin worked in the other net, um, but Barry Barry Trotz said after Monday's practice, again, now it's really up to Semyon Varlamov as to when he feels comfortable to get into a game. If I know Varley, uh, you know, he's not going to take any, you know, unnecessary risks. But the way he was moving in practice on on Monday suggested to me that uh, he he's ready to make his season debut. Uh, the Islanders uh, after Chicago headed or head to Columbus, and, and I think Thursday night's game against the Blue Jackets. Uh, if I was laying money, I, I think that might be a good bet for Semyon Varlamov to make his season's debut. Um, before that, though, uh, also Matt Martin is back, and that should help out the slow starting or uh, identity line, uh, which had Ross Johnson and Matt Martin spot in the season-opening 6-3 loss at Carolina. Leo Komarov was on left wing with Casey Sezekis and Calvary Hutterbuck in Saturday's 5-1 loss at Florida. And uh, before... Barry Trotz inserted Komarov for Johnson. He said it was partly out of necessity, partly looking for a spark. Uh, Didn't necessarily get that. Uh, Leo Komarov then on Monday was placed on waivers. That's some paperwork uh, in order for Leo uh, to be eligible to be reassigned to Bridgeport. Uh, either way, Komarov certainly appears to be the odd man out uh, in terms of the roster in order to clear a roster spot for Matt Martin. Uh, Martin's return, of course, is not going to be this wave the wand and all problems magically disappear solution. But his return should spark uh, some more comfort into his longtime line line mate Sasekis and, and Cal Clutterbuck. And, and allow Barry Trots to get back to more of that four-line balance that not only does he prefer, but, but this whole team is is sort of predicated on and needs for their success. They, they need, as we've discussed ad infinitum on the podcast, they sort of need wave after wave after wave of, of lines going to break down and wear down the opponent. And uh, really, that has not been the case through the first two games. But look, a, a, a couple of things. One, uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, which very well could be after Tuesday's game at Chicago, there there's a good chance you'll either be, A, more worried about the season, or B, feeling a little bit better about things. And that's sort of the nature of fandom that, uh, you know, uh, your 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 mood swings are, are predicated on on individual games here, and uh, you know obviously it, Barry Trotz and the staff and, and the players try and take a little bit more of an even keel approach to it, uh, so they're not hitting the panic button or raving wa- waving red flags after two games, nor will they do that after three games, but at a certain point. Uh, it is fair to say we're seeing trends here, and uh, I, I don't think I, I'm ready to say that after two games. But you know, we'll, we'll see where we are uh, for episode one sixteen of Island Ice Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you know, after getting a couple of more games on, under the belt, we'll uh, we should have a little bit more clear of a picture. Uh, of where the Islanders are. And like like I said, without waving the, the blue and orange pom-poms, I, I'm not trying to overreact to the first two games to start a franchise record 13-game road trip. And as Barry Trotz was asked about uh, before the game in Chicago, his, his Islanders teams do seem to have this uh, almost a, a annoying knack For for traditionally not starting the season, firing on all cylinders and, uh, you know, myriad of reasons for that. Barry Trotz always talks about how this team is built for the playoffs and uh, maybe that kind of slows them down at the beginning. uh, Uh, but, but things do tend to get sorted out quickly and all three of his Islanders teams have obviously gone on to make the postseason and uh, obviously again, the last two, uh, reaching the NHL semifinals, which is why, uh, this Islander team comes into this season with the bar set so high and and, and expectations really at a, a Stanley Cup or bust, uh fever pitch which you know Barry Trotz has has embraced rather than run away from uh he acknowledges how high the bar is set again there's there's maybe a little bit of a comfort level from a a, a very veteran laden group that there's a confidence that down the line they they they're, they're, they're going to be playoff contenders so maybe you know, maybe that's why they're not starting all so well. All conjecture at this point, but here here are some some numbers. In in 2018-19, Barry Trotz's first season with the Islanders coming off his uh, Stanley Cup championship uh with the Capitals. So in 2018-19, uh Trotz's Islanders start off three, four, and one and then reel off a five-game winning streak uh, as things start to click for them. In 2019-20, 2019-20, yeah, I said that correctly, <laughs> the Islanders get off to a 1-3-0 and start. Uh, before going on that franchise record 15-0-2 streak. And of course, that was the season, the first season impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. That season uh, was cut off at 68 games. So that 15-0-2 streak uh, was really instrumental in building up enough point equity to get the Islanders into the playoffs when they again stumbled uh going into the uh, uh the pandemic break as it were before the uh playoff bubble restart uh a few months later. Uh so again 2018-19 3-4 and one start and then a 5 game winning streak 2019-20 a 1-3 and 0 oh start before 15 and 2 streak and then last season uh all played in uh 21 the season starts in in January, and the NHL completed a 56-game regular season. The Islanders start three, four, and two. So, percentage-wise, uh, nine games into the to a 56-game season, you could really start to sweat about the Islanders because that's much more of a big chunk uh, of a season. You know, three, four, and one in 2018-19. That's uh, eight games into uh, an 82-game schedule. So, you know right around 10%, a uh, percentage much higher in 2021. Don't ask me to do the percentage math. I'm sorry I went down this path, but you get the idea. So the Islanders start 3-4-2 and two last season, but then they get wins in five of their next six, and then they start rolling, and uh, then they're in the NHL semifinals. So Barry, like I said, was asked about why his teams maybe don't get off to those great starts and uh he, here was Barry's response uh, to that question.
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I think, you know, I, I was trying to
0: we obviously we think about all this
1: stuff, you know, with the uh um you know coming in the first year to a new situation that was expected I would think. Second year, um you know, we thought we'd get maybe a better start, but then we I think we ran some pretty good streaks off. Um I think when we're emotionally invested uh, to go along with the, the, the physical investment, then we become a, a much better team. And when one 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 or the other's off a little bit, I think we we're not, you know, we we're not as I'll say stru- not as structured, not as focused, not as hard to play against as when we're all those two elements come together. So. Um, We seem to be able to pull it together. Uh, Hopefully we can. Uh, You know, we can't go home and say, hey, we got a home game and we can get our fans behind us and ramp it up for a while. we just got to do it on the road. So, Um, yeah, it's, uh, I look at the first two games, I I thought uh, we played pretty well in sections of the games, but we didn't play well through the whole game. And then when uh, we make a mistake, we seem to compound it with two or three other mistakes rather than insulate each other a little bit with uh uh the the what ifs. Uh, we've always been pretty good if uh, something breaks down we have uh, people who react and recognize danger really well and we we react accordingly to it. Uh right now we're we're not as sharp in that area. Um and uh you know maybe some of that is is, is us taking it for granted that we are a veteran team. Uh being a veteran team doesn't mean that you're a detailed team. And uh, our details are off a little bit, and that's to me just all it is is just focus. They 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 know the protocols. They know uh, the situational play. Only uh, we only have a few players who didn't play for us last year. So um, from that standpoint,
0: I think that's just focus more than anything. So there's Barry's answer to that. But that said, here's what we need to see from the Islanders going forward. And as I mentioned, four line. Balance Uh, The Matthew Barzell top line with Anders Lee and Kyle Palmieri has really been the only trio uh, that can remotely be called effective so far. And uh, that just is not going to fly. We need this to become Brocktober again. Uh, (laughs) um, Nelson, Brock Nelson with the goal in the first game. Uh, I I thought that that trio with... uh, with Josh Bailey and Anthony Beauvillier was rather quiet in Florida. Jean-Gabriel Pajot's line, uh with, well, Oliver Wallstrom was better in the second game. The first game was a little rough for Wally. Uh, so that third line needs to be uh, firing a little bit more. And, and obviously, as we talked about, the fourth line has not been its most effective for checking identity setting self. Um, so you need four-line balance. The the defense obviously needs to be better. 11 goals spread over two games uh, is just, it, it's frankly unacceptable. Uh, as Barry Trotz said, it's not winning hockey, uh, or you're not going to win that way. Either way you want to phrase it. Obviously, defensively, Islanders need to tighten that up. A couple of things have led to this. One uh, the positioning has not been great. the Islanders uh, have given up too much around the crease uh, they've gotten beaten uh, around the edges they've gotten beaten to the crease they've gotten beaten to some rebounds uh, that's some of that is just better communication and trust between the players but also, sometimes the best defense is a good offense and the Islanders need to be up the ice more than they've been. Adam Pellick uh, pointed that out uh, after the first game or maybe it was after the second game. Um, Yeah, it was after the second game. He he was saying how uh, the players are sort of wearing themselves out quickly because it seems like most shifts are starting uh, in the defensive zone and maybe the team gets caught there and by the time they break out of the defensive zone uh the players are looking to make a a, a line shift so uh getting up ice and and sustaining uh some offensive zone time would would help out the defense for sure uh along those lines better puck movement. Here's what I find funny. And, and again, you know, social media is a wonderful thing. And I, I love, you know, uh, seeing the comments. I love answering questions via Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, but let, let's face it. Let's be honest. When Nick Letty, when, when defenseman Nick Letty was with the Islanders and, and particularly over the past couple of seasons, his on-ice faults were were frequently pointed out on social media. But now that Nick Letty is in Detroit, social media seems to be all about bemoaning the loss of his puck moving skills. And look, I'm not I'm not running away from that. The Islanders certainly do miss some of that puck moving element because replacing Nick Letty with Dano Chara and and we'll talk about Sebastian Ajo in Andrew's answers in a little bit, but Replacing Nick Lady with Zdeno Chara does mean the loss of a slick-skating puck mover. Um, and it, it remains in question exactly how much that is going to hurt the Islanders over the long term this season. Uh, the power play uh, really needs to establish itself better in the offensive zone. Uh, a particular the, the the first game was rough. Uh, the, the Islanders went zero for three on the power play in the season opener, and remarkably, uh, unbelievably, were outshot two nothing in their five plus minutes of man advantage time. And you know, I wrote that in a couple of stories, and, and one of the copy editors doing his job. I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not calling this guy out at all. He, he was doing his job, but. He made sure to, to question me and, and to check with me that that stat was correct just because when you write it and when you read it, it just didn't seem right. It, it seemed, like I said, somewhat unbelievable that a power play five plus minutes could get outshot 2 nothing over three different man advantages there. Now, Barry Trotz is sticking with his his established two units so far, and Uh, that being Noah Dobson on the blue line for the first unit, along with Anthony Beauvillier, Kyle Palmieri, and Matthew Barzell, while Anders Lee uh, provides the net front presence for that group. And on the other one, Ryan Pulak uh, is heading a unit along with Josh Bailey, Brock Nelson, and Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, And Zach Parisi is, is playing around the crease looking for those rebounds. And uh finally uh well uh, a couple of things as mentioned the goaltending needs to be better this is not throwing that all on Ilya Sorokin but when the time comes uh, it, the islanders do need that that miraculous to really really good save uh, to keep him in a game rather than to get buried in a hole even deeper. So Semyon Varlamov's eventual return, like I said, I would expect Thursday in Columbus to be that eventual return. Varlamov coming back will, will help things out, but regardless of who's in net, uh, that the Islanders need that you know kind of game-turning save, with which they haven't gotten yet through two games, and also, as Adam Pellick alluded alluded to, the Islanders just need to play faster. Uh, it's a fast league, and and the Islanders have looked a step slow through, through two games. But to talk about those issues and, and much more, uh, I'm very happy to have touched base with Billy Jaffe of the NHL Network. I always appreciate his insight into the game, and... Uh, look, uh, I, I will say Billy called me from his cell phone, so I'm sorry that the sound quality might not be the best, but the content from Billy Jaffe, as always, is A1.
2: And like I said, uh, my pleasure to bring in Billy Jaffe. Uh, you guys remember him from uh, Islanders broadcasts in the past. Billy, how's, how's everything going? Well, everything's going great, mostly because, hey, my family is healthy, knocking uh, on wood, and me, hockey is back, uh, and so, I don't know about you,
3: although I'm assuming it's very similar for you when you go from kind of hockey, as I like to call the ex- exhibition preseason, meaning we're into it, but, then you go to the real thing, it always goes from like zero to a hundred miles an hour for me, so I'm just re- I'm just catching up for right now, re-educating myself on everything league-wide, but it's a good thing, so, I uh,
2: everything is it's a long-winded way of saying everything's broken. Well, that that's very good to hear and uh no, I agree with you that uh it, it's it, just for me personally it's great to be back on the road, it's great to be at the rinks and to be able to watch practices and actually, you know, just kind of yeah. shoot shoot the bull with with you know Barry Trotz and the guys. So that that that's been a welcome uh addition back into my life. Um like you said yeah. it just you know, you're one of the you, you get
3: you get to go to some good places early on too. And you oh. know, all these folks don't do not miss
2: out on the food in Chicago. Billy, I don't miss out on the food anywhere, so uh, we're we're all good there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm I'm already one deep dish pizza into my trip, so it, it's all oh, good. Beautiful. Hey, like like you said at the beginning, it kind of goes zero to a hundred, and you you're trying to get acclimated on stuff. The Islanders obviously did not get off to the start they wanted first two games on this uh, long road trip. Uh, I don't know how much you've seen of them, but what did you take out of their opening two games? And and should, should that be concerning or not, the fact that they've already given up 11 goals through two games? Uh, no, it shouldn't be concerning, but it will be to some, just because that's the nature of being a fan. Um, you know, you, you're so passionate about it, like, you know, because that's your
3: team and I fans are awesomely passionate about their team and they're not used to seeing that. Uh, full disclosure, I haven't been able to watch full games of there, it's just because of my other work, but I watch the I go over the, the condensed games, I watch the highlights. Um I I, I see their numbers too. You know, I, I look at numbers every day in the league and you see, you know, you know, the chances from inside, you see the get missing assignments or Get beat the pucks right there. That's not what what you traditionally call uh, Islander hockey. Uh, The Islanders also. I mean, this is such a coming off a great season, and then uh, when I say you know unique off season. last couple of years, the Islanders have now gone from a yeah they're a pretty good butt team to oh no you 're really good, and you better be ready to play that team there's a big difference now, and especially early on in the season, teams want to be
2: ready yeah no and, and, and absolutely saw that in Carolina and Florida uh there there was no there was no wading into the pool against either the panthers or the hurricanes they you know they were on top of the islanders pretty quickly um you know, the the, the league, and it, it's been like this, you know, for a long time now, but everything is predicated on speed, and I'm just wondering in your mind whether the, the Islanders have enough team speed uh, to maybe keep up with, with what some teams around the league are doing. Uh, good question, and not, a, not it, it, it's got some validity to that if there was something that you look to that team you know, you say it's a scoring-by-committee type team. It is a very solid defensive team, although, you know, what are you, we'll call it your number 5-6-D man going to be when it's all said that? I do think there's a question there, but I do. Uh, goaltending, obviously, rock
3: solid. But you bring up team speed. You know, they traded Letty, who was one of their fastest slash you know, all beautiful skaters too, by the way, just you know, watching him this skate this gorgeous stride. Uh, you know, I, I think when it's all said and done, I think they have enough speed when they play their game. You know, now I know it's a general statement. Every team says we got to get to our game, but the Islanders are very distinct in their game. And if they, it's about puck placement, puck retrieval. It's about repeated kind of, you know, Tenderization process, right? You know, keep repeated contact with an opponent's defenseman. I don't know how much you can do that over the course of an eight game season and be excited about it. I think you're going to have bits and starts of that for this team. But I think when it's all said and done, when they get into their rhythm, into their groove, I think they'll have enough T speed. They will not blow you away. They will not. Uh, but they'll need it. Now, again, I, I will say on the back end, are they, you know, you, you look at you know the chars and the greens, and you know are they do they have enough overall depth and speed back there too? I would say that's a valid question
2: for sure. Back there. Yeah, just uh, speaking of uh, Big Z, I mean, you know what what did you see out of him last season in Washington, and and how can he still be affected? I, I guess you know I'm only. I'm only 10 years older than him, and, and the thought of me playing in the NHL is, at his age is horrifying to me. I mean, how, how does he do it, and and how has he adapted his game uh, as, as the years have rolled on, and, and how effective do you think Chara can be over an 82-game season? Let me
3: start with the... Uh... Into the boards, and, uh, and it said shoulder surgery for a uh, torn rotator I oh. bicep tendon, and it, my AC joint was messed up from my younger years of playing, so I'm an old geezer, and he is anything, but it's, you know, how does he get there? It's a mindset with Zdeno, you, know, you know, I spent years covering him, working with him as part of the Boston Bruins, and the uh, the drive, the fire... Uh, internal, internal, the dedication, uh, you know, to it is, is just, to his craft, it's just amazing, remarkable, and people that meet him that have never played with him, the first thing that literally comes out of their mouth is you won't believe how hard this guy works, and that's how he does it. Now, with that said, can he still be uh, as impactful as he was even a few years ago? Let's not forget against you know, St. Louis and the Stanley Cup, he ended up breaking the jaw. In a couple of places, or whatever, but he was still playing okay there, pretty good, you know, and he had an impact there. Penalty kill is significant. If you get him into a distinct shutdown role a couple of years back in 42, he was still very good. He wrapped up players like Austin Matthews a couple of years ago. Saying, oh my God, you know, I don't know if you put the fear of God, the hockey gods into Matthews or not, but at the playoffs, it was shut down city on him because of a big a lot of it had to do with the can he still do that now? I'm not sure, given the frenetic pace of the game. I'm, I'm not sure about that. But can he still be a solid penalty killer? And, you know, very good at Yeah, he, he can be. Can he be a, uh, a mentor for a Noah Dobson? Yes, he can be on and off the ice, no question. I just don't know. And he doesn't – here's the thing with the aisles, and I don't need to tell you or the people listening this, between Pelican up he doesn't need to play – 19 to 24 minutes, 20 to 24 minutes a game. He doesn't. So what is he at? I, I was looking yesterday. Is he had 16 minutes or 16
2: to 17 minutes or so. He's average, for too. Yeah, Barry. That, that, yeah, Barry kind of spreads the minutes around pretty evenly. You know, top pair down. So uh, yeah, he's that, that. That's about where he is. And, and he should
3: probably
2: not get above that.
3: But he loves. He, you know, he's in such amazing physical condition he feels like he can still do it. I just don't know if he can do it regularly enough to be as effective uh, at the NHL level. Um, and, but beyond that, you know, can he stretch it out in the case of, a, you know, a, a, a penalty-filled game or a player gets hurt? Yeah, of course. But this is a guy that's special. I don't know. Like, you asked me the first part of the question, what I see of Washington. I saw a guy that was pretty effective at times in the beginning of the year, the middle part of the year, and then the Bruins took on the Caps, of the playoffs in the first round, and I didn't notice him as much, and I, you know, I, I, I'm such a fan of Zidane Charles. I am as a person, and as a player, for what he's done, an ultimate respect, but I will say, I thought that the, the, the Bruins uh, were able to really kind of handle him when he was out there
2: last year in the first round of the playoffs. Obviously, you don't read too much into it two games into the season, but I... But but I think those are concerns or things to watch going forward. And so the, so the Islanders are starting the season with a 13 game road trip as as they wait for their new arena to to open its doors. Uh, you know, as a player, and I know these guys are so good about compartmentalizing and not looking at the big picture, but. You know, as a former player and, and, and being around this league, is it in the back of their minds knowing that, you know, they've, they're have they two games into a road trip that still has 11 more games to go?
3: I would guess that
2: many of these guys have looked at the schedule, and
3: I'm sure you've talked about this either on your show or with the other scribes, et cetera, and said similar things, that if this was a legit 13-game road trip, you know, one of those crazy – you know, month on the road, which the NHL wouldn't do to anybody. Let's say if it was three road trips, um, you know, five, five, and three, that would be, and I, I'm talking about, so like eight days, nine days, it's five days. That would be really hard. It, it's broken up more than that, isn't it? I mean, if I remember correctly, they, they go four or five, and then they've got five, what is it, full days at home?
4: Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Always, so I think it will be. Easier for them indeed. And having spent you know many years with the Islanders organization doing their games for MSG, when you've got games as you know, whether it's Philly, Jersey, Islanders, Rangers, etc., those are basically home games too because you're in your bed. The point is this: they look at the schedule, they talk to their wives and girlfriends, you know, if they have them, and they're like, hey,
3: you know, I'm not going to be gone that much and it's all good in fact to say, look, we get to start the year on the road, we get the robbery, we get the team dinners, etc. Hopefully they go, if you're an Islander fan, 500 on the road, at least in this trip. And they got a couple of more games on the road as we sit and record this. And, you know, they can win them. They can. They go on the road and win these next couple of games. They come home, they're going to feel pretty good. Then they get a five or six day from home break. And they'll get refreshed, re-energized. And it won't wear them down nearly as much as you know, again, I, I've had the league. I've had 17 seventeen-day trip when I was with the Atlanta organization, and I think I had a fifteen-day trip or a thirteen-day trip once with the Islanders, something like that. You know, but in the most get long. But you get you get through. But but this is broken up so much. I think that they're really going to be okay. There's going to be a yearning eventually for familiarity of their home ring. But let's face facts: they don't know what UBS is like yet. So they're just thinking about. It. They don't even know. Nuance of it yet, so they're just going to say, "All right, let's get on the road." And again, they do get home to practice at Northwell and everything, so I think they're
2: going to be okay for the most part. Just looking around the league a little bit, what what kind of trends are you looking for out of this season? Not necessarily the Islanders, but what, what do you think? You know, what do you think are going to be some of the the, the, the key points uh, in this NHL season as they get back to an eighty-two game schedule with full travel? Well, there's going to be a few key points. There's there's always the beginning of the season. Who gets out to a good start? You always hear the cliche
3: of um, points at the beginning matter as much as points at the end. So you're going to see the team. They're going to try and get hot and make as many points as possible. You know, I, I, I think that we're going to have, you know, normally it's two seasons. It's like the beginning and then it's after the all-star break. And I think this year you're going to have this rush to begin and then you're going to have, I, I don't know, because remember, we're, we haven't played a full 82-game season, Andrew, and now two seasons. So I think there's going to be some players that hit a wall when they get more. It's different, especially for the young players. to so that 40-game mark, and they're going to be like, holy smokes, we still got, you know, 42 more games. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and all of a sudden, then you're going to have this whole Olympic break thing, which is really a combo all-star break, Olympic break. So if you're not going to the All-Star or you're not going to the Olympics, you're not playing for three weeks. I think it's 20 days. And I understand players are going to practice that that don't all go there. But that's going to be a big thing. And then, so after that, then you're going to get past the trade deadline. And then you're going to be like, okay, now it's a third run run at it. So we're going to see different different kind of maturation levels, I think, for teams at different points. Um, You know, I – the other things I'm, I'm looking for is which teams, you know, that have expectations on them. The Islanders being one of them. The Florida Panthers being another. Colorado. Uh, also, and, and then and I, would think, I would say a team like Edmonton, but the Pacific to be man, oh, man, that could be a plunker of a division again. What are they able to do? I mean, Florida, you just saw that. Florida's built for this year. Are they ready for a cup? I don't know. But I think they're a lot closer. I mean, especially with Quentin behind the bench now a couple of years. He's got his proverbial claws into this team's DNA now. And and he's a real guy, a guy that you can really uh, learn from, obviously, with all the success of the Blackhawks. You're starting to see a lot of kind of Blackhawk-isms with this team. You know, they're rising the last couple of years, just like the Hawks did in 2010. Um, So I think we see a lot of that. How much, you know, you know how much offense. I think we're going to see even a little more offense this year. I think because of all the games, we see some guys get tired, uh, and the calling of the cross checks. And I do think, just besides the, like, the cross check penalty, I still think refs are going to look for other kind of re-establishing penalties. You know, the hooks, the hold, et cetera, to keep them going. So I think we'll have some more offense here. Um, and then we're already, by the way, bud, we're already seeing a lot of significant injuries. You know, you're talking. Uh, you know, Kucherov in Tampa, you're yeah. seeing Pacioretty in Vegas, and well, that's a big expectation team too, obviously in Vegas. So how do those, how do those things play out right now? That's, that's what I'm looking at. And,
2: and last one, and, and again, I, I appreciate your time so much, Billy, just you, you talk about expectations. Are, are you buying into the hype with this Islanders team? Do you think they can get to the ceiling of what they're expected to be? I do. They
3: will have they will tweak this team. I, I think you know this team is now at the level. You know, Lou, Lou brought in uh, Palmieri last year as not a replacement for for for, for Andrews Lee, but a because you know they're different players stylistically, size wise, etc. But if he had brought in Palmary with Lee there, which he has this year, that would have been a folk who for the playoffs last year. You know what I mean? Like that makes you this crazy deep. I don't know if they could have done it. I don't remember. They were able, they were able to pull it off or not uh, contractually. You know, salary cap wise, so forgive me. But my point is, I think this team this year is in line to make a, a big move, at some, a bigger move at some point. I don't think it's going to be gigantic, but a big move like Tampa's done the last couple of years to say, boom, if we're all healthy and things are good, boom, let's put us over the top. And make a big playoff run. I gotta think it's for depth defense or a defenseman to add to it. Um, that's what I would I would, I would think. Uh, but I, I, because of the experience they've had, because Barry had a couple of year run with Washington that he, they finally reached the top of the proverbial hockey mountain after it took a couple of years. He's got the patience. He's got the wherewithal. And I do think he has a really good team for them to challenge again. Do I think they're going to win the cup? Um, I (laughs) wouldn't put my money on it, but I think that they're going to make another run to the to the final four, and and I could see them getting to the cup. I I could. I look at the East, Andrew, and and I and I say, Tampa's going to be good. on a hockey they play, and they need a hard challenge, whether that's Florida, could it be Boston? I don't know. Boston needs to make some additions they back end too, but you never know. But then you look at the men, and you know, while I like Carolina, and I know they beat the Islanders, I'm still not sold on them as a make-it-to-the-Cup final team. Um, and I look at the rest of the division, and I say, I think Washington's good, but Pittsburgh's okay, but I know they're missing a lot of guys right now. I can't tell you I'm buying them or you know, Destiny-type teams. So I look at the Islanders and I say, if you take the body of work over the last couple of years, what they've learned about themselves and getting to the Stanley Cup and you know, what it means, I think they're on the precipice of, of getting there. So I will buy in the hype that they're one of the top teams in the league.
0: And thanks again to Billy Jaffe of the NHL Network for, uh, for taking the time to chat with me and am and, and looking forward to uh, bumping into Billy at a a rink somewhere down the line. Uh, That's been, you know, as I'm out on the road here with the Islanders and, uh, you know, I I should mention and a kudos to the Islanders because I know I I sort of took them to task on a a previous uh, podcast about being the only team in the NHL to, to be doing zoom only interviews that media policy has changed uh, it changed for the season opener in Carolina where now uh, media in the arena can go into the Zoom interview rooms and actually it, it's a press conference setting. So I, I, I've really enjoyed that. Um, you, you know, it, it's the old saying, you don't know what how much you miss something until you don't have it. And uh, just getting to interact face face to face with with these players and, and Barry Trotz and has uh, has been really in a way comforting to me. It, it, it like I said, it, it sort of does getting back to normal. And I think for everyone's mental health, that's that's all what we need. And. That, And you know what? I I guess I didn't realize how much I needed that for my mental health. And, you know, insert your own joke about, you know, uh, (laughs) how uh, crazy or not crazy I am. Um, But, you know, I I was sitting there uh, watching uh, the team practice um, in in, in Florida. You know what? I, I, I didn't realize how much... I had missed that until I was able to do it. Just sitting there and and, and watching a full practice. Not that I haven't seen practices at, at the the Islander at Northwell Health, but being on the road, sitting in an empty arena, uh, watching practice, and, and then getting uh, to to a chance to to chat with the players afterwards. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll never take that for granted again. So it, it's been really nice. And as a result, you know, here I am back out on the road. And it looks like that's where I will stay for the season. And, uh, you know, I just feel really privileged to do that. And uh, that's a long way around to saying uh, I, I appreciate, appreciate all you guys uh, for your support and for submitting questions for... Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And uh, we'll start out here with a couple of Semyon Varlamov questions. Um, One from Barry Sachs who asks simply, uh, when will Varlamov be back? And then uh, Thomas Boyle says, do you think Lou Lamarillo will make a trade for a goalie or claim a goalie from the waiver wire if Varlamov is out long-term, and is it bad defense or is this on Sorokin? And I, I've touched upon uh, sort of all that, those points, but uh, sort of to review, I'm expecting Varlamov to be activated and be back Thursday in Columbus, and if it's not Thursday in Columbus, this this first section of this 13-game road trip sort of comes to a conclusion with back-to-back games uh, at Arizona and then the next day. So it's a Saturday at Arizona and then Sunday at Las Vegas. So if Varlamov does not play Thursday at Columbus, I, I, I would think for sure he gets one of the back-to-backs. And, and maybe uh, Varlamov gets Thursday in Columbus and then Sunday in Las Vegas as well. So he he very well could play two out of three. Um so no, Thomas. I, I I don't see Lou making a trade for a goalie at this point. I, I, I think he, the Islanders are very comfortable with the fact that uh, Varlamov is going to be healthy. Uh, and if not, there there is Corey Schneider uh, who would get the first chance to be a backup option if Varlamov uh, for what or Sorokin for for whatever reason either one. Gets hurt, and, and as far as is it bad defense or is this on Sorokin? Uh, sort of yes to both. Uh, I, I mentioned that the defensive positioning has not been good, and uh, Sorokin's been hung out to dry a little bit too much. But Sorokin also needs to come up with the spectacular save here or there to stem the tide or turn the momentum. Um, Glenn asks. Do you think this is it for Leo, barring injuries? And uh, again, and this is being recorded before we see whether Leo Komarov uh, is going to clear waivers. Uh, spoiler alert: Yeah, he he will. I, I don't see a team claiming a you know three million dollar uh, cap hit this early in the season. Um, but you know what? I'm I'm never going to count Uncle Leo out. Yeah, obviously, you know, injuries will play a part this season and Leo is, is a very good insurance policy there. Uh, it will depend on being cap compliant, of course. Um, but I, I I just am never going to count Leo out uh, for this organization as long as he is under Islanders control, just because and I've heard this from so many people. Uh, You know, I I know you guys hate hearing about intangibles and and stuff that I am not around to to fully describe to you why this team, uh, why Leo is so endearing uh, to his teammates. All I can tell you is that, you know, he's a beloved figure in the dressing room and that really does pump up the team. And Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo both recognize that. So, no, I'm not going to say this is it for Leo, barring injuries. I, I, I do think at some point down the road, Leo can still play a role for this team. Um, moving on to some questions about Sebastian Ajo and the defense. I'll uh, rip off a couple of these questions. Brian G. asks, after the first two games is it fair to say Sebastian Aho should be in the lineup because having a slow Chara and Green in at the same time is not looking good? What is your assessment? Mark Beck says, it's only two games, but how concerned should we be with how fast wingers took advantage of the older blue liners? And Mike says, do you think Aho replaces Chara or Green at some point? I would think the lack of a mobile puck mover is going to be a concern if the defense doesn't improve. And uh, look, uh, you you guys heard what Billy Jaffe said. He did not run away from the fact that, yes, uh, team speed could be an issue and having Zdeno Char and Andy Green could be an issue. Um, I I think Barry Trotz is going to let it play out here a little bit. as I believe I mentioned, Barry Trotz is looking to get uh, Sebastian Ajo into the lineup at some point. It's not going to be like last season where Ajo was on the taxi squad and just never lobbed a minute at all. Um, it's an 82-game season. Uh, there, there are going to be some bumps and bruises, but beyond that, I, I think Barry really wants to see Sebastian in the lineup sooner rather than later, and uh, my my guess would be, uh, you know, that he probably uh, he's going to get into the lineup at some point during this thirteen game road trip, and and that's a, a cheesy uh, you know escapist answer as to when, because, look, this 13-game road trip actually takes over five weeks. But I, I, I would I would even say that Ajo might get a chance uh, to play before the team comes back to New York for a few days after that Las Vegas game. Again, I'm looking at that back-to-back, and yeah, you know, uh, uh, Zdeno Chara at 44, Andy Green at 38, I, I think... Barry is going to want some fresh legs in there at some point. And also, as mentioned, you know, going back to the Nick Letty point, uh, the Islanders and Barry Trotz and and the coaching staff and the brass may come to see that needing a puck-moving defenseman in there is something that the team is lacking. So I'm going to say Ajo gets in sometime within these first six games here. Um how concerned should we be with how fast wingers took advantage of the older blue lines? Again, uh, without waving the blue blue and orange pom-poms, I'm I'm not making any rash judgments after two games. Uh, I I still think the players are are learning to communicate and trust each other on the ice, uh, you know, trying to bring Dano Chara into the group, uh, Andy Green. Played with Noah Dobson last season. He's playing with Scotty Mayfield now. That pairing was not very good in Carolina. And then in Florida, Zdeno Chara comes up with a minus four. And I know plus minus is not always the best stat, but uh, minus four was kind of glaring. Um, further assessment, just getting to uh, uh, Brian G's point, is it fair to say Sebastian Nahu should be in the lineup? Because having a slow Char and Green in the same time is not looking good. I, I, I would say based on two games that I, I see where you're going there. Again, I'm not, I'm not making rash judgments, and and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Dana Char and Andy Green a, a couple of more games at least. I, I think they've both earned that in this league, and uh, I, I, they also have their benefits too. Um, I, I think Zdeno Chara is going to have his decent moments as you heard Billy Jaffe say, as long as the minutes are, are managed here. Um, bat Marzell, uh, also with the char question says, do you think char will call it a career if he can no longer be competitive? And look at 44, I, I would think Zdeno Chara is, is approaching every season on a year to year basis. Um, I I don't get the sense that Zdeno Char is the type of guy to up and you know retire in the middle of a season, but yeah, I would think after this season when he does his self assessment, if he sees that he did not help or was not helping the Islanders enough, I, I I I could see him saying, yeah, you know, if I'm not if I'm not helping out, I I can't be part of the problem, so. You know, yes, I, I can see him calling it a career after this season uh, if he does come to the conclusion that he's he's not being competitive enough. But we're we're a long way from there, and I, I don't see that happening during the season a, a whatsoever. Um, Michael asks, aside from Zdeno Chara, what else has been a glaring issue? Uh, other defensemen, Ilya Sorokin. Are the issues fixable without adding players? And, uh, you know, I, I've been over some of the other issues uh, lack of four line balance, uh, defensive positioning, not playing fast enough, not getting the, the big saves. Uh, when needed, uh, are these issues fixable without adding players? Uh, I, yeah, I, I absolutely believe they're fixable without adding players. Although, as you heard Billy Jaffe say, uh, he thinks Lou has the move in uh, move in him for a, a defenseman before the trade deadline. But that's probably you know much closer to the trade deadline there, uh, barring you know major injury, of course. Um, let's see. Will Forthman says, uh, is Dmitro Timoshov going on termination waivers to sign with the KHL or another NHL club? Um, and if unclaimed, will Leo Komarov stay with the team off roster or will he play games in Bridgeport? Just a low background, Dmitro Timoshov. Uh, who Lam- Lou Lamarillo had when he was the GM of the Maple Leafs and who he acquired from the Red Wings prior to last season uh, to sort of give you some, you know, organizational bottom six forward depth. Uh, the Islanders placed Dmitro Timoshov on uh, on unconditional waivers for the purpose of terminating his contract. Um, now, You know, I I know Dmitry Timoshov. he sounds like a player who could wind up with the KHL, but honestly, he's a Ukrainian-born Swedish player, and his background is playing in Sweden. Um, I I don't think uh, he's not going to another NHL club. Uh, I have not heard anything about him going to the KHL. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if Timoshov winds up in Sweden uh, playing over there. Um, and, uh, as far as Leo Komarov is concerned, I would expect, um, once he clears waivers and he's reassigned to Bridgeport, uh, yeah, I, I would expect him to try and stay fresh, uh, with Bridgeport at least, uh, for a little while, unless, uh, you know, they have some other kind of arrangement with him. And, you know what, uh, I think I, I don't think the Islanders want to move on from him. You've heard me say uh, in previous episodes how loyal uh, a person uh, Lou Lamarillo is. And, you know, if, if Lou is thinking Leo Komarov is just not going to help the Islanders at the NHL level uh, at all this season, which I don't think Lou Lamarillo, I don't think that's where he's at at all. I'm just saying... If, for whatever reason, Lou Lamaral got there, I, I would think Lou would, would try and uh, see if he could broker a deal for Leo Komarov to keep Leo in the NHL, uh, just out of loyalty for, for what Leo Komarov has done for, for Lou's clubs. Um, let see. AZ asks... Will the haha musical question? Will the Islanders continue to sing the blues, or will Martin Varlamov, Trots, etc., start to bring things around? How much rope do Char and Green get before Barry tries something else? Uh, I've sort of touched upon all of this, but I love the uh, musical reference there. Az, um, look, I, I I I think you give this team the benefit of the doubt based on what they've done, how they're built, and what the expectations are. And, again, uh, the fact that I'm talking to you only two games into an 82-game regular season. Long way to go, and and as I ripped off earlier, the Islanders traditionally a little bit of a slow-starting team under Barry Trott. So give it a a little time here. Uh, I do not... See the Islanders singing the blues all season. Um, And and how much rope do Char and Green get? Um, Again, the Islanders have to show they can play faster. Uh, Sebastian Ajo would help them do that. How quickly that happens, I I would think Zdeno Char, like I said, gets his first crack at it. uh, By the time we're through the uh, back-to-back games at Arizona and Las Vegas, Uh, Matt, who is, uh, who's really taking these first two losses hard, doesn't even have a question, just says, I feel like the window is closed as soon as it was opened. Not sure what my question is. Just bummed. And look, uh, I include that because (laughs) I, I don't want to say that's irrational two games into an 82 game series season, but you know, that to me is, uh, that encapsulates right there what being a fan is. Uh, the the highs and the lows and the emotional swings and, and, and the feeling of doom after two losses and uh, the the ecstasy after a two-game winning streak. So, uh, Matt, stay with us here, buddy. Um, The window is not closed. Uh, I I think the breeze is still coming in here. Um, Let's see. Uh, Nate asks, uh, is UBS Arena at Belmont Park opening on time? And I'm sure uh, the reason for that question, without uh, delving into it further, we talked about social media and how crazy social media can be. I know there was... Uh, some form of rumor up on social media circulating recently that no, the arena was not going to open on time. I, I I have seen no validity to that rumor and I have not heard anything to the contrary other than the Islanders are going to be playing at UBS Arena at Belmont Park on November 20th. If I'm wrong, well, you know, then, then I got that one wrong. But uh, my... Uh, my knowledge of it is that, you know, even though it might be close, and like I said, the last time I went on a construction tour, it sure as heck still looked like an unfinished construction site. Um, I, I, I've been told by people, uh, you know, in and around the arena, even though it's going to be a tight one, they, they still think they're going to get this done, and I think they're looking at it as they have to get it done. You know, not that they are, they, they want to get it done. They have to get it done. And uh, so that's it for episode 115. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen. For all your support, if you want to listen to back episodes of Island Ice or catch up with any and all of Newsday's Islanders content, please go to newsday.com backslash Isles, And please remember to follow me on Twitter and a gross newsday and until the next time happy hockey everybody